Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here, the number one show at 5 o'clock in uh, the whole East Coast. It's uh, from Miami all the way up to northern Canada. And uh, today in the studio with us, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg and we have Congressman Peter King on my side here, Lydia Serrani. And we have one great show for you today, a lot of revelations. And uh, who's our first guest, uh, we, we have Bill O'Reilly. He's a journalist. He's an author. He's a TV and radio host. And, of course, he's a prolific author. The Killing Series, 20 million books sold so far. Killing the Legends, his latest edition, which profiles Elvis Presley, John Lennon, and Muhammad Ali. He's also a historian. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Thank you, Lydia. I appreciate you mentioning the book. Great Christmas Hanukkah gift, you know. Absolutely. And I hope people will consider it. Well, where, where do you want to start? There's so many problems in the world. We don't know where the heck to start. Well, I want to go to Greece with Adams. I don't know if there's room on the plane. <laughs> um, the good so, news is uh, he didn't call me to borrow my plane. Yeah, you know, uh, subway felonies up 40% year to year, so uh, I'm going to go to Mykonos and figure it all out. Um, then he's going to uh, Doha, and that that's legit. Uh, Doha's legit. And, and the, the Greek thing is, too, is a bunch of mayors getting together. But, you know, uh, we have problems that are going unsolved, but we have a tremendous amount of diversity that's good, I guess, but let's uh, do a little problem solving on a violence front, shall we? Um, and I was surprised at Donald Trump's uh, choice of dinner companions last week. I didn't think that was another wise move. Did he realize, uh, did, did he think about it or it just happened? Well, if you go to Mar-a-Lago, the Secret Service has to have your name on a list. You just can't, like, show up. So you would think that there would be somebody in the Trump organization that are checking who's on the list to come onto the property. Correct. You would think that you would think that. that. Would be yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, Bill, wouldn't you think that Kanye West alone shouldn't be there? I mean, uh, I know they're old friends and all that, but he's been so virulently anti-Semitic lately. I mean, do you want to really give him a forum like that? Do I know? No, no, I, mean, I would never be. No, obviously, I'm not you. I'm saying if you were Donald Trump. But the white nationalists. Well, if I were Trump and I wanted to dine with Kanye, Kanye West, it would privately. There are plenty of private places that right. uh, he could have uh, had dinner, but he's sitting out there with um, West and this other guy, Fuentes, who's, you know, as far right as you could get, an extremist, an anti-Semite. He hates blacks. He hates everybody. Um, and then, of course, as people see them, they start photographing them with their phones and sending it out. And all of a sudden, Trump's got another self-inflicted wound. But the most important question is this. Why is Donald Trump doing this consistently, hurting himself consistently? Does he not understand he's at his nadir, his low point in his political career? Why is he criticizing uh, Elon Musk? I mean, what's his upside there? I don't know, but I, I don't. About a year ago, um, we were preparing to go out on the Trump O'Reilly history tour. You remember that? Oh, we yeah. played four four cities, and I ran a clip, and you'll hear it tonight on Common Sense at nine o'clock on WABC about the border about, and how he conducted my questioning, what he said, and a, a totally different guy. In one year. He's, he's lost all that uh, analytic ability 
and he goes hurtling from one crazy controversy to the next. Now he's saying that Carrie Lake should be the governor of, of Arizona. I mean, what? You know, come on. Um, why? Why are you doing this? It's not the what so much. I understand that he wants attention. He wants to stir it up. He's always done that. But why at this point when you do have a very credible resume of achievement as president, why are you going into all of this swampy, ridiculous stuff that hurts you? My, my, my advice to our friend uh, was uh, tell people how good you are, not how bad everybody else is. That's good advice. Um, but be a statesman. You know, you're an elder statesman now and you have a record to run on and you don't need Kanye West and the other idiot um, mucking things up. I mean, for what reason? There isn't one Trump supporter. Bill, you probably know him better than anyone, at least uh, any of us here today. Uh, do you think he is capable of changing and just talking about issues, talking about his record? Taking the high road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that possible as he, as he passed that mark in his life? Well, he's certainly on the descent. So I don't want to make any definitive statements because the man is the comeback kid. He wrote a big book about it. But my, my point is there isn't anything to gain by dining right. with Kanye West. Nothing. There's a one Trump person or independent voter goes, oh, he likes Kanye, so I'm going to vote for him. Not one. That Trump's kind of a loyal guy, and I know Kanye kisses his butt and all that stuff. But again, you could have done this privately, and then you give your enemies. It'd make it so easy for them to smear you on so many levels, and he keeps doing it. Bill, it's Richard Weinberg. You just had a column over the weekend about good and evil. Could you tell our listeners about it? Yeah, sure. You know, um, I just finished analyzing the mass shootings. This is fascinating. So last year, there were 693 mass shootings in America. And that's defined as four or more people being shot in one incident. Do you know how many lone gunmen there were in 693 mass shootings? Anybody? Nope. 693? Seven. Wow. Seven. Just so seven this, on a lone gunman? Yeah. Seven lone gunmen. Really? Last year. Seven. Okay, all the rest were organized criminals, drug oh, gangs, okay. random people with guns committing crimes in the streets. Mm-hmm. All the others. You ever hear that in the news? No, never, never. never. Bill, it sounds like you're going against all of the uh, woke psychiatrists and psychologists and counselors. I I agree with you, but uh, this is going to settle for Firestorm. So go ahead. I love it. Well, look, I'm a fact-based guy. Yeah, but your theme. I gave you a stat that virtually no American knows, and this comes from the Violence Project. They study all of these mass shootings. It's where it comes from. And so... Every time you got a Buffalo, New York, or you've got a uh, gay club in Colorado Springs, here they come, the cadres of falsely defining what the real problem is with gun violence in this country. The real problem is that criminals can get guns anytime they want, and if you ban them, that's not going to matter because that traffic will still be there, and they are using them. The criminals because will always get guns. There's not, they, the criminals will always get guns. I mean, uh, yeah, drugs have been out of, uh, 
Drugs have been outlawed for 100 years. They're still getting drugs. I mean, in the name of public safety, if I were the governor of New York and you wanted to buy an AK or one of those kinds of rifles, you would have to jump through some hoops, training hoops. We would have to know your background and all of that. I would do that. Okay, because that's in the name of public safety. But don't be telling the American public that crime is out of control by lone gunmen stalking people in Kmart. Mm -hmm. It's simply not true. Now, how that applies to evil. Everybody who does these crimes, everybody is evil. And the biggest evil definition there is, is that thou shalt not kill. And the column is about Americans don't know the definition of evil because it's never discussed. We don't discuss it. We make excuses for criminals. We look away. The media falsely reports, a la the mass shootings. But in school, are the children discussing good and evil? Do they know the Ten Commandments, which adorn the Supreme Court of the United States in its rotunda? No, they don't. Because the Ten Commandments are too judgmental. Oh, you can't tell me what not to do. Well, I want to commit adultery. I'm damn well going to do it. I want to bear false witness against my neighbor, lie about him or her. I'm going to do it, and I'll rationalize it. And that is the slope the United States is on. And you see it most vividly in New York, where now they won't even punish criminals. There is no right and wrong anymore in New York City. None. Yeah, the defendants are also victims. That's the theory. Yeah, they're, of course. That's the rationale. Meantime, the real victims are suffering at a rate never before seen in this country. Because most of these crimes are not reported. We know, as I mentioned, <clears throat> violent felonies are up 40%. But if every crime was reported, they'd be up at 80%. Mm-hmm. That's so exactly people get right. smashed in a subway car. Most of them don't even report it because they know nothing's going to happen. Also, Bill, if they want to get guns off the street, they give the cops more discretion on stop, question, and frisk. And I think people don't want to report the crime because then the criminal will have their name and address and could go after them thanks to the bail reform law. A whole bunch of reasons, exactly but it's right. mostly inconvenience. They don't want to be tied up, and they know nothing's going to happen. Here's a final on this that when you have a society that basically turns its back on right and wrong, the society will eventually collapse. And you see that most vividly in Rome. In the beginning, when the Roman Empire was uh, building up to dominate the world, there was a very strict code of behavior in Rome. At the end, it was anything goes. And so we are on that track Hopefully it won't happen here because we do have, you know, still a tremendous amount of traditional people who, you know, practice the concept of right and wrong. But it better come back. And I don't see it. And the media is the worst on it. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Bill, we'll be listening tonight at nine o'clock. And uh, what's your main subject there at nine o'clock? Well, we're going to open with the Trump foibles and why he's doing it and then we're going to go into uh the uh concept of evil we're going to do that and the soundbite that i use to set up the 
concept of evil is from an MSNBC commentator who just blew up Thanksgiving. Oh, it was horrible. Joy Reid. Joy Reid. Joyless. Joyless, joyless Reid. Horrible. You bet. And NBC puts that on unchallenged. It's not like there's somebody coming up behind her, all right, saying she's full of bull, which she is. She doesn't know anything. This yep. isn't a woman who is void of any knowledge. Well, but the people that are guilty is the same thing I told Dershowitz when he was going after CNN. Are the board of directors of CNN and the board of directors of AT&T for allowing the board of directors of CNN to, to allow that to happen. Well, thank you, you Bill. You're right. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll be listening Bye. in at 9 o'clock tonight, WABCradio.com, BillOReilly.com. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We are back, and now we have uh, Gordon G. Chang with us, uh, and uh, so many things happening in the Far East. Uh, you see rioting in the streets, but what's going on? Give us an update. You were on Bernie and Sid this morning, and and uh, a lot of problems in China. Gordon, tell us what's going on. Well, John, um, after a fire on Thursday in the Chinese city of Urumqi, a protest broke out across China. And this was Beijing, Shanghai, but also throughout the western part of the country, from the north to the south. And these protests, John, were spontaneous. They were not organized. People were just sick and fed up. And these protests, they were triggered by the loss of life in an apartment, um, firefighters, Firefighters couldn't get there because of COVID barriers in the streets. Also, people were wired into their apartments and couldn't leave. Um, so really, right now, uh, China is unstable because people there um, have had enough of the Communist Party and they've had enough of Xi Jinping. Gordon Chang, this is uh, uh, Pete King. I have a question. Uh, do you think the United States should say anything in support of the demonstrators or that just give credence to China saying this is you know, generated by outsiders? Is it best to let it run its course? Uh, we absolutely have to say something, Congressman. Um, the United States stands for freedom and democracy. Right. We have to talk about it loudly. We've got to talk about it proudly. And we've got to remember that we are in an existential fight with China. You know, It's not because of anything that we say or do, but China believes that it must destroy the United States because they're worried about the inspirational impact of our values and our form of governance on the Chinese people. So it's unfortunate, but un we now find ourselves ourselves in a struggle. And there's only going to be one um, that's going to survive this. It's either going to be the People's Republic of China or the United States of America. So let's stop trying to please a dictatorship that is out to destroy our country. Yeah, I wasn't talking about pleasing a dictatorship. I didn't want to give them the propaganda weapon to use, saying the U.S. is behind it. Listen, I understand where you're coming from. I also think the United States should find ways to slowly but surely stop doing business in China. Absolutely, um, because we should not be enriching a regime that is using the proceeds of our trade and investment to build weapons to kill Americans. Well, Gordon, it's Richard Weinberg. It's even more troubling because a large amount of the pharmaceutical components, as well as the, the batteries and other uh, Nobody other equipment. made an attempt to move the pharmaceuticals right. yet. So the, the, problem, right. the problem is we are dependent on China. Unless we, unless we want very few antibiotics, uh, how do you move... Uh, 
Well, President Trump actually in the last months in office came up with a plan uh, basically to fund the development and production of active pharmaceutical ingredients in the United States. Now, his plan misfired. Um, It was not competently put together, but at least he was thinking about it and tried. The Biden administration is doing nothing in this regard, and we absolutely cannot rely on China for pharmaceuticals because we know in the early stages of the pandemic, they actually threatened to cut off pharmaceuticals to the United States if we didn't do what they wanted. So this is just unacceptable. And Gordon Chang, back to that fire that broke out in Uramichi, am I saying it correctly? Uh, Uramichi, yeah. Yeah, people's doors were locked from the outside. There's actual video of this, that they went around and did this. The Chinese Communist Party did it. 44 people burnt to death, including a three-year-old. We just had Bill O'Reilly on before, and we're talking about good versus evil. And you have the communist regime that doesn't believe in a god. So to them, to them, a life loss is meaningless to them. They don't care about thou shall not kill. We're dealing with an, an evil dictatorship that has absolutely no moral compass. So how, you know, this, how can we actually even, you know, try, try to do anything? What can be done when you have a regime that just doesn't care that 44 of their own people will burn to death? Yes. And it's not just 44 people, of course, it's yes. been tens of millions of people oh, yeah. over the course of the People's Republic. But those 44 deaths um, are the ones that triggered the demonstrations and the protests across China on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, You know, Lydia, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, And when we start to look at what the regime does, we can understand that we cannot coexist with it. You know, it's unfortunate. We'd like to coexist with everybody. And it would be nice if we can get along with China. But we won't be able to do that as long as the Communist Party is around. And I know that's a lot for a lot of for Americans to accept. But nonetheless, we have seen the hostile propaganda. We have seen them um, try to spread COVID, try to sell fentanyl into the U.S. This is just an all-out assault that, on the United Gordon, States. That fentanyl crisis is coming through the southern border wouldn't be happening unless the ingredients were going into Mexico and mixed by the cartels to come into the United States. The Chinese Communist Party could stop that, couldn't they? Of course, because they're behind the fentanyl gangs. These fentanyl gangs are large. They're well organized. They're international in scope. They launder their proceeds through the Chinese banking system. And in the Communist Party's total total surveillance state, these gangs could not operate. We know that China uses Chinese-owned TikTok to propagate the glorified drug use. They want to kill Americans. That's 77,000 Americans last year who died from overdoses of illegal fentanyl. So we should consider each of those a murder. Why is how, serious, how serious are you see it? I mean, you're one of the, uh, I guess, the uh, as far as China goes, you're one of the experts. On a scale of 1 to 10, how effective is this uh, protest? Um, today, you can put it maybe at a 3 on the ineffective range. Um, but this is not going away, John, because the Chinese people have just had enough of the Communist Party. And there's going to be a long-term struggle between the party and people. And this may go quiet for times. But I think we're going to see this again and again and again. And that's what's making China so unstable right now. And that's what's making the regime so hostile, because they realize that they've got an existential problem at home. They've got to find somebody to blame. They're going to blame us for this. And there's no way they can do that legitimately, but they're going to try. And that means troubled relations between the United States and China, which is going to be unfortunate, but it, that's what it is.
Gordon, why is COVID spreading the way it is? Is it because of the inadequate vaccine they have, or is there some other reason? That's a great question. Um, China has um, a number of vaccines, like about seven of them, but only two of them have been widely used, um, put into people's arms. Those two vaccines are not effective at all at stopping Omicron. So the regime actually believes that isolation is the only effective defense. And um, so, therefore, they've got this draconian zero COVID policy, which they go to enormous uh, to any lengths to stop disease, as Lydia just talked about, including welding people into their own uh, apartment units with tragic consequences. Welding them into their apartment units, you know, they they lock them in like they're self-confined in their apartments Mm -hmm. as a jail. Yeah. Some people have only been wired into their apartments, um, but some people have actually been welded into their apartments. Um, And that means that Mm. uh, in a case of a fire, you know, they're going to die if that fire reaches their apartment. Unbelievable. Gordon G. Chang, thank you for the update. And we'll talk to you later on in the week. And, well, whatever happens, happens. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, John. And thank you, everybody. Thank you. And uh, next door, we have uh, D.A. McMahon from Staten Island. And he's got some revelations. D.A. McMahon, uh, uh, tell us what's going on in Staten Island. Uh, well, John, I think in particular you're talking about the grand jury uh, report that was released here uh, last week on Staten Island. Uh, pursuant to some complaints we received about uh, criminality in an election last year. Um, and through our investigation, you know, we received these complaints, and through our investigation, we determined that uh, fraud had occurred in the election, uh, but we couldn't uh, determine who exactly committed it. Uh, so under our criminal procedure law, there's a, a, a mechanism to bring such a case to the grand jury for them to look at cases of criminality without being able to uh, specifically say who did it. Uh, if um, by doing so, we can look at the operations of governmental agencies, uh, administrations and come up with recommendations for way of doing things better. And so this grand jury, uh, some great Staten Islanders who heard their civic duty and served over a period of time and heard witnesses um, uh, involved in the process from expert witnesses and determined that, in fact, uh, fraud had been committed. They looked at ballots. They heard testimony. But again, they couldn't. uh, D.A., D.A., everybody's at the edge of this chair. How did they do it? How did they? How did they? How did the fraud happen? Well, it happened uh, with absentee ballots. They requested absentee ballots for people who were dead, who were never registered, who were fictitious. They got the absentee ballots and then they filled them out fraudulently, uh, signed someone's name who didn't sign it and then sent them into the Board of Elections. How many ballots were involved? Uh, Hundreds. Uh, And uh, the good news is in this particular case, the Board of Elections did their job. They reviewed and they found some some of them. The court reviewed some and found some others. So we don't think that, uh, you know, a high number were actually counted in the election, although some certainly could have been. Uh, In this case, we don't think it changed the outcome of the election, but it could uh, because the uh, absentee ballots allow campaigns. Get this, John. It allows campaigns to harvest the ballots. So you could file uh, an application for me and have it sent to your campaign headquarters and I wouldn't even know about it. Oh my God. So Mike, do you, do, you have a, do you have suspects who did it or, or this is just uh, uh, we're rejecting the ballots because of fraud? 
Yeah, so we, you know, the, the problem is I may have a suspicion as to who did it and whether this was a coordinated effort, but I'm obligated as a prosecutor to be able to say that I could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that an individual did it. And the problem is, is that when you have a fraudulent signature, unless you have someone see the signature signed or you have an informant who will tell you who did it, it's impossible to prove who actually signed that signature. Mike, and believe me, we, Judge we Weinberg? To, I would have loved to have bring, brought the prosecutions, but we took it as far as we could. Mike, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you. Hi, Richard. I want to ask you this. Did the grand jury report make recommendations about changes in the election law and processes? It, it did, uh, close to a dozen of them, uh, including not allowing uh, campaigns to harvest ballots. If you, in fact, request a ballot, it has to be address, sent to your address. Um, hey, Mike, in this the, is Pete in, King. In the case of Mike, absentee ba- yeah. This is Pete King. How you doing? Uh, I was hey, gonna, how's it going? Uh, how about voter ID? Does that come yeah, up at so all? It, it, did, it did recommend uh, in the case of uh, absentee ballot applications to have voter ID and to have voter ID as well. Uh, you know, right now, listen, right now, the Board of Elections mails to every voter a Board of Elections ID card that has a barcode uh, specific just to you. At least require that when people go to vote. Uh, and that would be a way to now, eliminate were the these fraud. Xerox copies uh, then if they didn't have an ID on them? Well, if 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 you uh, right now, you don't need an ID to go vote. As you know, you just have to sign. An no, the absentee ballots I'm talking about. No, right now you don't need to show any ID. You don't need to put in any copy of your ID. You can just go online and request it. You know, uh, Mike, uh, D.A. McMahon, I don't care who who wins, Democrats or Republicans, but the the American people have to feel they're getting an honest count. And I have to say, if it's being done in Staten Island, it could happen anywhere. It could happen in New York City. That's why we undertook this effort to to show that uh, it can happen. And, and, you know, we don't know what we don't know, but the system has loopholes in it. And listen, it's not me, uh, an elected official, saying this, but it's a grand jury citizens who looked at the evidence, yes. who looked at the facts, Thank came you. up with the recommendations, then we urge people to take, they can Thank go to our website, uh, Staten Island DA, and read the report and the recommendations that they make as Give well. Give us the website again? Uh, StatenIslandDA.gov. Uh, gotcha. Uh, .org, I'm sorry, .org. StatenIslandDA.org, and you can go read the report, see the recommendations, uh, and yeah, they, they see holes in the system. Listen, the Board of Elections, uh, in this case, did a good job. Uh, they did their job, but it, but the rules that came down from Albany in the last few years because of COVID have opened up the process to really make it uh, a field day for a criminal element we, that wants to take advantage of these loose rules. Well, mm-hmm. you better start, you know, let's keep our eyes open. Thank you so much, DA uh, McMahon. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're back. And uh, boy, what a great show we have so far. I mean, uh, the, the, those ballots. Mm. You know, you, you scratch your head. I mean, now we have to depend on the politicians to fix the laws. I just, well, what we, are our chances? Is it, I, I think there's three chances. The minimum Sli- none. Slim, slimmer, yeah, and slimmest. If you say all politicians, it's the Democrats who are against voter ID. Republicans want why. it, and Democrats don't. So that is a political yeah. issue. You know, you know, people have to feel the American people have to feel confident that one one person, one citizen, one vote. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, with us right now, well, we got Judge Napolitano now, right? That's it, Judge and, Napolitano. And maybe he can talk about it. I don't know, Judge, I don't know if you heard uh, D.A. McMahon was just on, and he was talking about voter fraud in Staten Island, uh, that he caught, they caught hundreds and hundreds of uh, of absentee ballots. Fraudulent ballots. Uh, they were all fraudulent. I mean, uh, I mean, everybody in Chicago certifies that dead people are allowed to vote. They have a constitutional right like everybody else in the cemetery. Peter King knows, since he and I went to a great Catholic school right outside of Chicago, that dead people have been voting in there for a long time. Well, that's because they're so dedicated, Judge. They're dedicated (laughs) patriots, you know. (laughs) Did did the DA in uh, Staten Island indicate whether these fraudulent votes affected the outcome? Because remember, you're entitled to a fair vote, not a perfect one. He seemed to say that it was fair enough and that most of them uh, were caught by the Board of Elections and it doesn't appear as if it affected the uh, you know, the final results, but certainly it you know, could have if the elections have been closer. By the way, you I mentioned the school you we went to was Notre Dame and it was a rough night on Saturday night, Judge. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I think the people who attempt to vote fraudulently, meaning voting a second time or voting in a district where they don't live, should be prosecuted. Uh, but if it's not going to affect the outcome of the election, it's not a big deal. But the, the these people need to know that they can't get away with it. Yeah, he said when he I was younger, prove. I was opposed to um, voter ID. Now I'm in favor of it because there's just too much shenanigans going on. You show your ID to get on a plane. You show your ID to get on Amtrak. You show your ID to vote. What's the big deal? Judge, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. What's the objection to having voter ID? I just don't get it. You know, I I don't share that objection, but I do believe that the the liberals object because they believe that a lot of their people don't have IDs. They don't have driver's licenses. They don't have passports. Now, the government, as you know, Your Honor, issues IDs just by virtue of your existence. You don't have to have a a car and a driver's license. Exactly right, Judge. And, of course, you can use... um, a telephone company bill, a, a utility bill, uh, almost any proof of who you are and where you are. Although, obviously, a photo ID is uh, is the best. But, you know, maybe voting isn't for everybody. Maybe there should be some potholes on the road to voting. So the serious people vote, not those who vote because they're told to do so by their political bosses in their neighborhood. If, if they don't have the education uh, to, to, to have ID... How do you vote? Ah, John, they vote the way their their clan or their group tells them to. And and you know what that is in New York City. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be, you know, the local Democrats tell me I have to vote for X, Y, Z, so I'm going to do it. I don't even know who the person is, but I'm going to do it. Or if they're dead, they'll vote for them. All right. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a public service. There you go. <laughs> public service to vote the day. Now, you, you had another serious topic you wanted to speak about, uh, Judge? So uh, last Friday, Amazon and the NYPD announced a partnership. If you put Amazon Ring, capital R and Ring, it's the name of their product, on your apartment door, you are recording the audio and video of everybody who comes and goes, your friends, the mailman, uh, a political solicitor, whoever knocks on your apartment door in real time, audio and video. Guess what? The NYPD get it in real time, too. And I think that's wrong and the government shouldn't have it. It's a violation 
of the Fourth Amendment. Judge Weinberg, do you agree with me? I, uh, I respectfully dissent on that. If you're walking up to my apartment door or to my house, you want is to that a public space? coming up to my apartment yeah, door. Why, why is that a problem? Why is that uh, an illegal search and seizure under the Fourth Amendment? Well, the, the, the government shouldn't be standing at your apartment door. The government is only allowed. Yeah, but you're only scared of that if you're doing something wrong. Say again? You're only scared of that if you're doing something wrong. Not at all. I mean, if if the housewife is waiting for the milkman, I mean, (laughs) we want proof. Maybe John Katsimatidis is coming over for some pastizzo, and I don't want the police to know that he's coming to my house for a Greek dinner. It's none of their business. Pastizzo contains a lot of green. <laughs> you get right. you get my point. So, yeah. so Judge, are you gonna write a law review article on this subject? No, what it's my column this week and I found a bunch of other things the government is doing. You know, Visa has started a new program that when you purchase something with your Visa card, they will evaluate the product that you have purchased from the point of view of the green climate change people and they will report it to the treasury department okay what that, that, is that's that awful treasury that, department, that's awful it, it is terrible and um and the the uh the bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms has a deal with visa that they will report all purchases at gun shops even if you purchase a gun safe or a gun safety lessons, they're going to report it to the BATF. It's none of the federal government's business. It's a lawful product, a lawful purchase from a lawful store. It's none of the government's business. So I'm harping on government using private industry to do its dirty work for us. We already know that Twitter suppressed free speech as a favor to the Department of Homeland Security. That's wrong, and the public needs to know about it, and it needs to stop. I, I agree with that. So we're, we're, what are we, do we agree on two and dissent on one? Is that the? Apparently so. So okay. if you and I were on an appellate panel together, we'd need a third judge. That's it's right. not going to be the cat man. Okay. Uh, okay. What else? We had one more thing that, uh, that uh, tell us about well, how you feel about uh, uh, President Trump uh, and his uh, new uh, Jack Smith, uh, that, that prosecutor. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, this whole thing Jack has been Smith. politicized. I mean, if, there, if the Democrats very- go after Trump or Jack Smith, uh, the uh, c- c- Congress is going to go after uh, uh, Hunter Biden. And who who is guiltier? I'm going to ask you your opinion. Who is guiltier, Hunter Biden or President Trump? Uh, That's a good one. That is a good one. That's a great question, John. I can't compare the two, but I will I will give you this. Jack Smith is very aggressive. There is no question in my mind but that the feds are going to indict Donald Trump either because of the Mar-a-Lago documents or because of January 6th. There's also no question in my mind, this is not a Jack Smith issue, that the DA of uh, Fulton County, uh, Georgia, is going to indict him again because of the... Um, of the fake electors on Hunter Biden. There's no question in my mind that he ought to have been indicted, that the evidence uh, of guilt is very strong, but Congress cannot indict only the DOJ can indict. So Jim uh, Jordan's going to have to lay out 
all the evidence that uh, the feds are not dealing with. Now, I will say this for Joe Biden. The uh, uh, U.S. attorney investigating Hunter Biden is the U.S. attorney in Wilmington, Delaware, who's a Republican appointed by Trump. Biden could have sacked him as Trump did when he became president. He sacked all the um, Obama U.S. attorneys. But Biden decided to leave this guy in there and let him investigate the sun and see what happens. Why it's taking two years, I don't know. The midterms are over. They ought to either indict him or announce why they're not going to indict him, but they shouldn't leave everybody hanging. Judge, the question of Jack Smith. Congressman King. Yeah, I, I don't see, again, what role he's going to play at Mar-a-Lago. I think anyone would agree there's enough evidence there to indict. That's really a policy decision. And should Jack yes. Smith be making that, or should the Attorney General be making it? You know, here's why it's crazy, uh, my dear friend, because ultimately the Attorney General will make the decision anyway. Jack Smith will just make a recommendation to sort of get the heat off of Merrick. Garland, but Jack Smith cannot ask a grand jury to indict Trump unless he gets a green light from justice. Press approval. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Garland, as a comparison to President Trump's two attorney generals, boy, I I guess President Trump should have picked picked better, more loyal attorney generals. Uh, Yeah, but listen, I'm talking about as a client. Right. If, no, no, I'm, he's not a, if, if well, I well, picked if I picked somebody that with that all right amount of loyalty, I don't care if you tell me he's the greatest lawyer in the world. Okay, but let me redefine the issue. The Attorney General of the United the States lawyer. is not the president's lawyer. Judge, do you agree with that? Uh, yes, I do agree with that. All right. And also, Bosch saved his administration with the Russian Kennedy with Robert Kennedy, ask uh, Obama with uh, Holder. Uh, Holder. Well, the, I mean, the wingman. Uh, the great, the great the wingman. The great wingman. Bosch saved the Trump administration. We got to go. We got to go to our next yes. uh, Judge Napolitano. Thank you, and we'll talk to you again real soon. It's always a pleasure. God love you. God, bl- God bless. Uh, I understand we're running out of bullets. We have former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, uh, the uh, loyal West Pointer, to tell us what's going on in the war. I understand, uh, Ty McCoy, we are running short of supplies. What? Tell us what's going on. Uh, John, it's great to be with you, Katz, and all your great friends. Uh, I, I appreciate uh, the time to chat with you. Indeed, we are having problems with both uh, equipment, uh, you know, planes, high Mars tanks uh, that that we can send. We're having problems with the ammunition that goes with them. When we think about particularly the ammunition that is very key in war, it's always uh, seems to be that way. Even with all the modern technology, they call artillery the king of battle, and they call it that for for a lot of reasons because it's a steady. Uh, capability. Uh, I was an artilleryman myself. I commanded units like this, eight inches and one five fives in Germany, and uh, I'm very familiar with it. And you have a situation where if you're after a target and it's at some distance from you, what can you do? You can use uh, a cruise missile. You can use artillery. You can use airplanes and bombs. You can use drones. You can use special forces. You can use guerrillas. You can use cyber. A lot of those are hard to use in different circumstances uh, due to location of targets and also the sustainability and the amount of uh, tonnage you can bring on a target. We used to say in the artillery, our job is to put steel on the target, and we needed to do so with large volume of fire, steady fire, 
as long range as possible, as precision as possible. And nowadays, it can be even longer range. It can be uh, very, very small circular error probable. Even uh, they're developing artillery shells that uh, have GPS guidance in the, in the nose and the fuse. Uh, some of our future artillery shells will be able to actually maneuver, and uh, that is a very, very uh, important thing, to just be able to deliver a steady, harsh drumbeat of noise. Yeah, but isn't that expensive to get a, a, an ordinary artillery shell uh, to, to maneuver, and, and uh, isn't that expensive? It's expensive. It's uh, the artillery shells. Just uh, to make up one are, big bang? Yeah, I mean, to be, but if in, in a way, if you can get one artillery shell that is really precise and right on the target and can go right through your window uh, the way we can with, with some of our drones, instead of spending, you know, maybe 40 dumb artillery shells on something trying to bracket and, you know, hone in on the target yes, to just yes. fire. It can it can be cheap. That is smart. You're be, absolutely right there. If you, if you can do it with one shell, why, why send 40? Right, and also sometimes it, it works where if it's a, a very precise uh, shell and you can catch uh, uh, senior people or important equipment above ground uh, with a quick shot right out of the barrel, uh, that will actually take them out. Whereas if you're adjusting fire back and forth in on a target, it gives the more senior people and it gives everybody a chance to duck We've got a minute left. Tight. We know each other a long time. Does the Pentagon know what's going on? Are they are they regrouping? Uh, I believe so. I think they're they're slowly recognizing that the the artillery is the king of battle still, and that drones and other uh, weapons, uh, cruise missiles, uh, anti tank missiles alone will not do the job. So I think that we're buying uh, you know one five five millimeter artillery shells from a lot of different people around the world. A lot of them do not want their shells uh, used in a Ukraine. So we're buying shells from others and, and keeping them in our stock. And we're shipping the shells that, that we have uh, for the war in Ukraine. And so it's a little bit of a shell game, uh, no pun intended. And uh, I think that that will allow us to continue to support the Ukraine. Uh, thank you, uh, former Assistant Secretary uh, Ty McQuay. Thank you uh, for your loyalty to America, West Pointer. Uh, God bless you and God bless America. Thank you for the uh, catch up for the American people. And we'll talk to you again real soon. You bet. Thank you Thank very you. much, Cats. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back. The market? The market was in the crapper today. And and who, uh, who's going to tell us the truth? We have with us uh, Ryan Payne. And today was a real pain, Ryan. And uh, to tell us what the heck happened, the Fed chairs all of a sudden stood up and said, no screw, no, no way that we're going to not raise rates. What did they say today? Can they stop Fed officials from talking? That would be, be my dream. Uh, I'm tired of these Fed officials being in the spotlight every week. You know, first off, we have no idea what the Fed's going to come to decision-wise next month. We still have another inflation reading coming in. Uh, we have employment numbers coming out this Friday, which I think are going to look pretty strong. And, you know, the bigger problem probably is China right now. Uh, there's a lot of civil unrest over there. If you look at Apple right now, they're still waiting on something like 6 million iPhones uh, that they may not get because of all the COVID restrictions in China. So I think China had a big effect on the markets today, specifically domestically, because ironically, the Chinese markets were actually up today. Go figure. I can't figure. Now, the other big thing in the markets, crypto. 
Another bankruptcy today. Uh, I mean, my prediction was, my opinion only, that Bitcoin will be zero in the near future. Tell us your opinion. I've come up with a new definition for uh, crypto assets. They're casino chips dressed up like financial assets. Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. Wait a second, but casinos have money behind them, don't they? Supposedly. <laughs> that's so true. That's that's the only difference. Yeah, that's the thing with <laughs> when, crypto, when, right? when Donald Trump's casino was short of money, his father came in and bought casino chips. I remember that. It was about a million dollars or something. Oh, wow. Well, I don't think crypto has the same backing. So I think, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to get bailed out because it's completely unregulated. And I'm with you, John. I actually think it could be worthless. And what blows my mind is you still have a lot of believers out there. And at the end of the day, I mean, it creates nothing. Um, and it's been a great Tell gambling. Tell us about the company that went bankrupt today. What do, who are they? Um, I think there's another exchange. Um, but again, I think there's a lot of leverage on these platforms. And what's happening is a lot of these chips are becoming worthless. And when you're borrowing against something that's worthless, that's a real problem when you get a margin call, which I think is the, probably the biggest issue with crypto in general is just the leverage, right? It's like at least when you're borrowing against a house, you have a physical asset. But when you've been borrowing against all these these crypto currencies and they become worthless and now all of a sudden you have to pay back uh, what, what you don't have. I think that's the biggest problem with all these exchanges. So I think it's going to continue to happen. Ryan, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. And let me ask you, if uh, the cryptocurrency fails and they all go under, what's the impact on the larger economy? It's probably zero. Uh, if you think about the whole crypto market, it's probably worth around, let's call it $600 billion. If you look at the total global capital equity markets, they're worth $100 trillion. So it's really like a drop in the bucket. So I'd argue it's probably going to have no effect. It's kind of like when the dot-com bubble burst back in 2000. It didn't really have a big effect on the overall economy. I think it's the same thing here. If you think about it, it's now the size of the whole crypto market. It's the size of Berkshire Hathaway which is a conglomerate of railroads, utilities, energy companies that generate something like $276 billion in revenue last year. Crypto creates nothing. Hence what John just said is probably going to go to zero. That was a lot. I believe that. Uh, what, anything else you want to tell? We talked about interest rates. We talked about the crypto market. We talked about the markets going to crap today. Uh, give us your opinion on where is the market going to? I, I think unemployment is at the lowest ever. Why should there be a recession? I don't think there can be. I don't think there can be. I think if you look at spending, it's still strong here, John. Inflation is coming down. You called 70 70- $5 a barrel oil were there, um, which is completely disinflationary. And if you look at retail sales or you look at uh, Black Friday, we had 2% more this year spending than last year. It's going to be a great holiday season. I don't think we're going to a recession. I think it's completely wrong, and Wall Street's been completely wrong. Well, thank you, Ryan Payne. And Payne, you're, you're on every Saturday with Steve Moore uh, right after Larry Kudlow. Number one show on, on Saturdays from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. And you and Steve Moore are on between 1 and 2 o'clock. And uh, thank you for talking to uh, the consumers and letting them know what's going on. Thank you. And uh, Thank you. Uh, in the studio here, Judge Weinberg, Congressman King, Lydia Serenai, John Katsimatidis. And what do we stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.